We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope uh, hope everybody's doing well, um, staying safe and healthy, and and uh, enjoying themselves. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to hit on a couple different topics, but of course, one of the main topics after after watching the NFL this past week in the great games that occurred in the playoffs we of course i gotta talk a little bit nfl college football playoff scenarios and then the overtime rules in both college and the nfl and get kind of kind of go through that a little bit but first i want to touch base on a couple different topics before we get to that um the University of Hawaii filled their coaching vacancy. Um, of course, uh, a lot of rumors swirling about June Jones. The job was offered to him first, as it should be. I mean, he is he's a coaching legend in Hawaii. He's the greatest coach to ever coach that program. Took that program to heights that they haven't seen before. Um, he, I guess, was given a lowball offer only two or three year contract he wanted a minimum of five years he wanted he wanted a bunch of control um just like before when he was there in the late 90s early 2000s early to mid 2000s when uh he it, he had a ton of control over that program i mean he got the rainbow warrior uh rainbow warriors logo changed to just warriors i mean he, he there was so much involved there that he uh, that he changed and <clears throat> that he was in control of that he he wanted that type of control again. Um, the university and the athletic department was not willing to do that, so they went with, in my opinion, the next best hire for the program, being uh, Timmy Chang, who is, if you don't know, look him up as a football player when he graduated and left the university of hawaii he was the all-time leader in ncaa history and passing yards um he what he did in that run and shoot offense was magnificent and he was a fantastic player for them obviously he's from the island um from the islands i should say i mean it's a I think the number one thing for Hawaii right now is getting that culture back to that Hawaiian family culture that they've always that they had when they were very successful. Timmy Chang has already come out and said he is going to run the run and shoot offense, which is what we all want to see. Um, as I've talked about in previous episodes, like I remember as a young young kid and into my teenage years staying up and watching Hawaii until two, three in the morning 
I remember watching Timmy Chang. I remember watching Colt Brennan, those guys in that offense, and it was so spectacular. Um, just so much fun to watch. And I'm really, really excited to see what Timmy Chang is able to do there. Um, obviously, they've had they had some major, major issues with uh, with Graham and the program, and it, it's been well documented. And they just they just have to change the culture, turn a new leaf. Uh, from a perspective of it being a an alum, and probably the most famous alum, and and somebody who is from the islands. I think this is a huge, really good hire. The only thing I question is, I mean, he's never even been a coordinator, so that you see, you kind of, see, so you kind of wonder about that there. But I think, I think he'll hire the right people, get the right people around him, and I think he'll do just fine. Um, obviously, like I've said before, the number one thing they got to keep the homegrown talent in there. And I don't think there's going to be anybody better to do that than Timmy Chang. So, again, hats off to Hawaii for the hire. Uh, getting getting a good young coach who deserves it, the opportunity. And I, I wanted June Jones to get the job, but once I heard about his demands and everything, I no one is above anything. You're not above the program. And... <clears throat> They, they made the right decision, in my opinion. But time will tell, obviously. But uh, good for Timmy Chang, good for the University of Hawaii. Um, we'll be cheering for them, that's for sure. Um, someday down the road, uh, get to Honolulu for a game. Um, then in other news, uh, Grayson McCall, quarterback of Coastal Carolina, had shoulder surgery. Uh, pretty, pretty significant thing. Um, He's going to miss the spring, miss the spring game. I mean, that 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 isn't a huge deal. He'll he'll be back for the start of the season and uh better than ever. I mean, uh this he he's in line to have a unbelievable junior season and redshirt junior season and and have a huge opportunity in front of him um with the Heisman trophy and so many other things. Um, he's he's a fantastic football player. Everybody who's listened to my show knows how much I I love Grayson McCall as a football player, and I'm cheering for him and thoughts and prayers with him um, as he goes through his recovery. Another interesting coaching. Uh, obviously, there's been a ton of coaching moves from head coaches to coordinators, position coaches. But one that I thought was really, really interesting was Gary Patterson taking on a an assistant to the head coach role at the University of Texas, um, just to be someone for Shark Stark to to pick his brain. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, obviously there's nothing that Gary Patterson hasn't seen as a football coach, especially in the state of Texas. It, 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 but it's going to be really, really weird to see Gary Patterson in burnt orange and not green or not purple, purple. Um, it's going to be going to be weird seeing that um, because for as long as we've known 
Uh, Gary Patterson has been the head coach of TCU, did a tremendous job there. Um, just an unbelievable job putting moving that program from the whack to the Mountain West to the Big 12. Just an unbelievable job uh, done by him. And just in uh, a smart move by Stark to... Uh, to hire him and just get him on staff. Like I said, if, if nothing else, you just pick his brain. I mean, the guy has been there and done that and seen everything. Um, so big, I, I, I think that's a really interesting and potentially big hire for them. Um, just because of what he brings to the table. Uh, in other news, Jermaine Burton, the number one transfer wide receiver out of Georgia Going to Alabama. So now Alabama will have the number one transfer cornerback, the number one transfer running back. Now they got the number one transfer wide receiver who is transferring from Georgia, who just beat Alabama. And McCole Hardman, the wide receiver from the Kansas City Chiefs, was pretty harsh on him uh, today in a quote. Um, how do you go from the team you just beat and leave a team you won the natty with. That that's his quote. And, and I mean, I I get that. I I, I get it. Um, but who would you rather play for? Nick Saban. I understand Kirby Smart just won, but Nick Saban is another level. And who would you rather have your quarterback be? Stetson Bennett or Bryce Young? Let's let's be honest. Now I know Stetson Bennett played the game of his life, well, the fourth quarter of his life, really, in that national championship game. And I don't want to take anything away from him, but what Alabama, Alabama is bringing a ton back, and they are loading up in the transfer portal, and they're they're going to be unbelievable. I, I think I think it's safe to say that it's. Uh, Alabama and everybody else heading into the season. I mean, Ohio State's going to have something to say about that. Georgia will have something to say about that. Clemson will have something to say about that. But just what Alabama's done is impressive to me, even for Alabama standards. Um, but it does make you scratch your head on – I mean, I, I scratch my head when some of these guys transfer from – one team in your conference to another team in your conference and one team in your division to another team in your division. Uh, like I saw somebody today going from Georgia to South Carolina. I, that always makes me scratch my head where it's like, I mean, you're going to play them every year. It, it, it just, it, it's weird to me, but to go from the team that just won the national championship to the team you just beat is head scratching uh, to say the least. But if if you were going to go anywhere, it would be to Alabama. So, I mean, I, I don't fault Jermaine Burton one bit for going to Alabama and wanting to play for Nick Saban, being a part of that offense. I mean, obviously, um, if you're a wide receiver at Alabama, just the, the line of guys that they've had under Saban that are now in the NFL as wide receivers um, is second to none in the history of college football. Um, just you can go down the line of guys that that they've had 
uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, um, Devontae Smith. I mean, then this year, Mechie and Williams. I mean, and there's more. There's obviously more. I mean, you got uh, Jerry Judy. You got Henry Ruggs. All kinds of guys have just gone to the NFL being a wide receiver at Alabama. So, I mean, Jermaine Burton is setting himself up very well for the future, just being a part of that offense, being in practice every day, um, going up against the elite of the elite. Um, and in my opinion, I, I, I mean, I know Georgia is going to be <clears throat> favored in every game they play next year, but I, I feel Georgia is going to take a step back slightly. I mean, you don't lose all those guys that they had on defense um, and not take a step back. I mean, yes, they're a factory at this point, getting great player after great player to come in from the high school level, transfer portal, wherever it may be. But at the same time, like, they lost elite-level players on their defense. Um Nicobe Dean is one of the best linebackers I've ever seen. He's one of the best leaders I've ever seen. Jordan Davis is phenomenal. Um, just and you, you, there's a like the whole defensive line was just absolute studs. So I mean, you can't and, and all the linebackers. Channing T Tindall is amazing too. I mean, just so much talent on that defense is going to be gone that inevitably you're going to take a step, a little step back. Now, they still might go undefeated in the regular season, but nonetheless. Now, um, another huge thing I want to talk about. Um, um, I discussed it a little bit in my previous in my uh, previous episode with uh, Tommy Z Zozus um, about, or I brought it up, I should say, but UConn getting a significant commitment at the quarterback position. Um, huge, huge deal for for them and uh, what, what it could lead to in the future. Obviously, the, in my opinion, the Penn State transfer, Roberson is going to get the I would think he's going to get the, the, the nod right away to start coming in from Penn State, being the top-ranked recruit that they've ever gotten. Um, but Tyler Puma is going to have a shot, too, once he's healthy. I mean, there's – it's not uh, – but – and then they have the transfer from Oregon, Northern Arizona as well. I mean, it's, it's great to see – the now there's going to be battles in the for the quarterback position which which is huge because that's what that's what UConn needs that's what every program needs i mean every program needs the to <clears throat> to have competition and it's a huge huge deal to have that competition day in day out when you have that competition in practice every day just uh just it's only going to lead to good things because that means your guys are battling every day. They're going to get better. It's it, it's the best thing for everyone involved. Um, but at the same time, 
having that battle, having those battles can, can, uh, lead to some interesting things as well. But the young man that, that Connecticut got is Zion Turner out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. <clears throat> and this young man had offers, had a lot of offers. I mean, he his his top three, I guess you could say, were UConn, Temple, and Indiana. Um, but he didn't hold an offer from Indiana, which was kind of surprising. <clears throat> but his offers were UConn, Temple, Arkansas, Coastal Carolina, FIU, Jacksonville State, Kentucky, Louisville, LSU, Maryland, Miami, Pittsburgh, Southern Miss, Texas A&M, Toledo, and then West Virginia and Indiana were also in on him. So UConn gets a commitment from a three-star quarterback from a from a program in Florida in St. Thomas Aquinas that has won significantly. But he picks he picks UConn over the likes of Texas A&M, Miami, LSU, Arkansas, Kentucky, Coastal Carolina. I mean, this is a significant list of teams. Um, and Jim Mora and his staff, um, what they've what they've done already when it comes to this recruiting cycle is I, I have to applaud them and and <clears throat> and I'm super super excited for the Yukon Husky football program and all the Husky fans out there and uh, just it just like in that last episode in my interview that I had with Tommy um, you could just tell the family atmosphere that's been created. Um, and just how significant that change is. Um, I don't want to downgrade anybody or any coaching staff ever, but, uh, I mean, you just heard the stories of like Randy Etzel there at the end of his UConn tenure and just how down that program was obviously on the field, they were down, but like just down everywhere. Like it wasn't. You could see watching them on the football field that there wasn't that cohesion, there wasn't that unity just in the locker room that you need to be successful. And Jim Moore has obviously brought that. Like you could see that in my interview with Tommy. Like it's very apparent. Like he even said, he's like, I went to Connecticut and I wasn't going to commit, but I committed on the spot because of how they made me feel. And when you have that in a program, it changes everything. I mean, like I've said, I, I'm a former college basketball coach. That's the atmosphere you create in your program. That's the atmosphere I created in in the any program that I was a head coach of. And I know my former players would all say that we were a family. And that's what you want as a coach. Um, you want them to, I mean... For goodness sake, the high school team that I coached through a baby shower for me and my family, like because they were like our kids, and like that's that's the cohesion that you want as as a coach and as a program, and that's what UConn is creating. And I'm so so excited that I have this partnership with Sidelines UConn for so many reasons, but for the fact that I was a part of the 
I was a part of everything last year and how bad it was. But now it's getting so much better, and I'm so happy to be a part of that and so happy to be um, as a fan and as, I'll say, a media member um, to just follow this team and watch this team and watch this program grow um, and just have the success that they're going to have. I mean, this program is going to be successful, um, and, and I'm super excited and pumped to see it and be a part of it. <clears throat> um, next thing I want to talk about some, uh, some interesting talk for conference USA expansion. Now that, now this is really rumors and, and everything, but something I, I, I thought was very, very interesting because at the FCS level, um, there's some conferences that are probably going by the wayside, um, just because of some movement going on between like the big South and the Southern conference and colonial and just different things. Like there's a lot of movement going on. So could there be a 16 team conference USA in the future? Um, I saw this on social media and I, I love, I love this idea. I, I, uh, I'm a fan of it. It would just be really, really interesting if they could make this work. Um, in the West, you would have New Mexico State, UTEP, Sam Houston State, Louisiana Tech, who they already have. But then they would add Stephen F. Austin, Central Arkansas, and McNeese State. So they take some teams from the WAC, from the new WAC. Then in the East, you got Jacksonville State, who's coming in. FIU, Middle Tennessee State, Western Kentucky, and Liberty, who's coming in. But then you then take Mercer, Eastern Kentucky, East Tennessee State, and Western Carolina. So you're, you're obviously taking a bunch of teams from the FCS level and bringing them up, which is what they've done already. But I think this conference makes sense from a football basketball other the, the other sports like this is this would be a very very good competitive basketball conference um just just gonna throw that out there i'd be there there would be some really good games in this conference from a basketball perspective but from a football perspective you look at it and you say like sam houston state has had amazing success on the fcs level stephen f austin has had amazing success um Louisiana Tech has had success in the past. UTEP is getting better. Um, you look at Jacksonville State's had success. Um, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, Liberty have all had success. East Tennessee State was right there this year, and they won at Vanderbilt. Eastern Kentucky has had success. So, I mean, this to me, this looks like something that could work. Geographically, it could work. Um, it, it, it's a... I feel like it's a strong conference. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it obviously it's, it's a G5, it's bottom of the G5, but I still feel like it's a strong conference that you're rolling out there week in, week out, and you're playing significant football games. So I would be all for this. Um, I, I'm all for expansion 
especially when uh, it benefits us all um, as fans. And I think this conference would benefit those fan bases in that geographical area significantly. I really do. Um, it creates some really good geographical rivalries, which is huge for those fan bases. And selfishly, I like it because it adds more teams to the list for me to visit. So if if nothing else, I'm a fan of it because I get to visit more, more uh, campuses and stadiums. But nonetheless... So now I, I I had I had some questions um on Twitter asking about my thoughts on Lincoln Riley USC and his first recruiting class. Um first off I want to say I I personally am not a fan of Lincoln Riley. I respect him. I, I shouldn't say I'm not a fan of Lincoln Riley. I just never liked Oklahoma. And I don't know the reason. I just never, like growing up, I didn't like them for what I, and like I said, I don't have a reason. I just, they just didn't, didn't like them for some reason. Um, so I guess that would be the reason why I would say I don't like Lincoln Riley. It's not that I don't like him. It's just, I don't like Oklahoma for some reason. But now that he's at USC and I think everyone can agree that if USC is good, college football is better. Um, and USC is going to be very good under Lincoln Riley. They're going to get players, and they already are. That uh, That is a fact. Um, are they going to win the Pac-12 this year? I don't know. Utah brings back a ton. They're going to be really, really good. Oregon brings back a lot. They're going to be really good. But USC is going to be right there, too. I mean, UCLA will be good, too. Um, but I I'm not going to put it past Lincoln Riley and USC, especially if they're able to land Caleb Williams in, via transfer. Um, now, from the standpoint of his high school recruiting class, they've only signed eight guys so far in the early signing period. Now, there's more coming. I mean, there's more coming. So it's, it's not a – there's quality, not quantity, though, in this class. I mean, they got they got two five-star guys and Damani Jackson and then Relique Brown, a cornerback and running back. They're both from modern day. Um, so, I mean, those guys could come in right away and see significant playing time. I mean, that's – that's uh, they're going to be ready. Um, but they also got – they got C.J. Williams, wide receiver from modern day. Um, then they got two guys from Bishop Gorman. So, I mean, they, they got significant, I mean, significant players, obviously. I mean, it's USC. They're going to get dudes. But where where they have really done well is the transfer portal. I mean, just yesterday, they got Shane Lee, linebacker, coming from Alabama. Then they got Travis Dye, running back, coming from Oregon. Like, that one is a significant get. They got Romello Height from linebacker from Auburn. Austin Jones, running back from Stanford. Um, Latrell McCutcheon, the cornerback from Oklahoma, following Lincoln Riley. Um, then they got two guys from Colorado, Makai Blackman and Brendan Rice, who are talented players. Brendan Rice is very talented. 
Um, then they also got Mario Williams transferring in from Oklahoma. Um, Tyrone Talani from Kansas State. Tyrell Bynum from Washington. Bobby Haskins, the tackle from Virginia. That's a big get. Um, he will start on the offensive line, I would imagine. Then Earl Burkett from TCU. So, I mean, the guys that they've gotten in the transfer portal are significant. And with uh, signing day coming up um, in less than 10 days now, um, at the, cl- the, the high school recruiting class will only get better. But the number one thing for USC right now that can take them to the next level, I would say, is obviously going to be getting Caleb Williams. And I think they will. I really do. I think Caleb Williams is going to end up at USC. I've kind of said that from the beginning. Right now, personally, I would say it's between LSU and USC. Like, if you ask me, that's who I think it's a, how I think it's leaning for him. And I, I just feel like, I feel like it's an opportunity you can't pass up. I mean, the NIL money um, that he can make in, in LA and Southern California, I mean, is astronomical. But what he could do at USC is also a game changer because I feel like he can step in there. I mean, he could step in anywhere and be special. I mean, he is a – he is special. I mean, <laughs> but I feel like if he goes to USC, he's really set up because then he can just walk in and he's the man. Um, but to answer those questions, I think I, I think Lincoln Riley has done as good as he can with his first recruiting class. I mean, he's he flipped a couple guys from Oklahoma – to come to USC at the high school level and in the transfer portal. And I don't feel like they're done in the transfer portal either. Getting uh, Shane Lee from Alabama and getting um, the linebacker from Auburn as well and getting Travis Dye from Oregon, I mean, those are significant. Um, They got significant players in the portal. And like I said, I don't feel like they're done. But if they get Caleb Williams, it puts them over the top. Um, I think what they have right now, they're set to compete for a Pac-12 title. I, I do. I'm not going to say they're going to win uh, just because I feel like Utah and Oregon are very good. But I wouldn't be shocked if USC was there in the Pac-12 championship game. And it, but if they get Caleb Williams, that changes things. I might say at that point that they are the favorite in the Pac-12 and that they could potentially potentially be in a college football playoff scenario, which is a good tra- transition point to um, the main topic I want to cover being the playoffs and overtime. Um, obviously, this past weekend – Four fantastic football games in the NFL. All four games were decided on the final play, um, which which makes you think, oh, the NFL can do it with the playoff system. and They have it figured out. The FCS level has it figured out with the playoff system. Division two and Division three have it figured out. NAIA has it figured out. For goodness sake, high school. 
football. And every state has it figured out for playoffs sake. But there's so much money involved in college football, plus all the bulls that are already in place um, that makes it difficult. But at the same time, there you can format you can format the college football playoff to include the bulls and just make the national championship game the extra game like we're already doing. And I know people's argument is going to be, oh, if you make eight teams, it waters it down, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be blowouts and all this and that. No. That that might happen. There might be some blowouts. Yes, it might happen. But we need need that. We need a minimum of eight teams in the playoff. If, If every other level of football can get this and understand it. I, I, It doesn't make sense to me that the FBS level can't figure this out. And like I said, I know there's a lot of money involved with the bowl tie-ins and the TV contracts and all this and that. But like I said, you just make, make all these playoff games bowl games. They still fall into the traditional system. You win, you win that bowl. And then you move on. Okay, if you have to turn the semifinals into their own thing and the national championship game into its own thing, I get it. Like, that is what it is. I mean, they're already adding more bowl games all the time anyway. So just make these games, make those, say there's eight that you put in the playoff, make those four games the four marquee bowl games. Make it be the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. There you go. Play those games. Then the teams advance. Then you have the final four. And you have those sites move around to different places every year. Just like you do with the national championship game already. I, I, it, everybody still gets their money. In fact, you get more money because there's more games now. But at the same, it's just, I I just, I I continuously scratch my head that these people can't figure this out. In in a conference like the SEC, yeah, they're only going to want four teams because they could get three spots eventually. Heck, they might even get all four spots after they, after conference realignment's all said and done. So, but... That's why we need to expand it so these other teams get a shot, for goodness sake. But now let's talk about the overtime scenario, like unfolded last night in the Kansas City Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game. I think we can all agree that the game should not come down to a coin flip, which is what it essentially came down to between the Bills and the Chiefs. Whoever won that coin flip was going to win the game. It's just that simple. And that's what transpired. Now, leading up to that, and I know this is a college football podcast, but I am going to go on a little tangent here and talk about this. The Buffalo Bills had 13 seconds to stop the Chiefs. And they didn't even really attempt to stop them. 
the defense that they played in that last 13 seconds was some of the most atrocious defense I've ever seen in my life. Allowing them to move the ball in the fashion that they allowed them to do that and to not even try and defend them. You deserve to lose, first of all. you Buffalo deserved to lose that game by how they mismanaged that 13 seconds. Let alone the fact that that you, on the kickoff, decide to kick it deep and allow them just to get the ball at the 25-yard line and no time comes off the clock. How about you squib the squib kick it and try to pin them at the 10-yard line? I mean, worst-case scenario, you squib it down there, they get the ball, they fair catch it or whatever, they can't move, but a second or two would still come off the clock as they touch the ball. Even a second comes off the clock. But now they got the ball at the 10-yard line instead of the 25. Like, just a complete mismanagement by the Buffalo Bills coaching staff in that game. And they, the Buffalo Bills deserve to lose that game. But that's my tangent there. But let's just look at the playoff perspective in the NFL. The way that they have it now, the rule is coin toss. If the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown, the game's over, as we saw. I think we can all agree that something needs to be put in place to where both teams get the ball. From the NFL's perspective, keep the format the way that it is, but just let everybody get, let both teams get a shot and get the ball. And then make both teams go for two. And then you don't have that issue. Or even, like in the scenario last night, Kansas City gets the ball, they score first, they kick the field goal or the extra point. They're up seven. Now Buffalo has a chance to come down the field, score a touchdown. Force them, if they score a touchdown, to go for two. Then the game's over. Then you honestly don't even need to time it. There doesn't need to be time involved in that scenario. Now, I know there needs to be time just because they're only kicking field goals or nobody scores, this and that. Like, I get that. But at the same time, I think from the NFL's perspective, you can play it the exact same way you just played it but just allow both teams to get the ball. And if the second team that gets it scores a touchdown, make them go for two, then the game's over. They get the two-point conversion. They win. If they don't, they lose. It's a very simple fix, I feel, for the NFL. Now, for college football, college football overtime has always been fantastic, but then they added this wrinkle this year with the two-point conversions after the third overtime just alternating two-point conversions, which I think we all agree is beyond ridiculous. Um, I I remember watching the Illinois-Penn State game and just watching the the travesty of a football game that was. I mean, that was terrible. Going back and forth, not scoring. I mean, it was awful. I mean, college football had it perfect the way it was set up. And I know they don't want seven overtime games because they want the health and safety of the players. But as fans, we want that. Like, those seven overtime games, I remember Arkansas Ole Miss with Eli Manning going to seven overtimes. Like, that was amazing. 
just a few years ago, Texas A&M, LSU, go seven overtimes. I mean, just amazing football. And, and that's what we want. Like college football had the perfect system in place. Now maybe starting at the 25-yard line, you could change that. You could move it to the 30, even 35, maybe 40. But like make it so you're not in field goal range already type of thing. Um, make the offense have to work a little bit. <clears throat> reward the defense a little if they're able to stop them in that scenario. Like there's that argument. But, but I mean, I think we all agree from the college football perspective, get rid of the two-point conversion, the alternating two-point conversions because like the college football overtime system was never broke. It was perfect. But then the powers that be had to be, had to come in and say, Oh, health, health and safety, health and safety. And, and yes, I'm not, please don't think I'm disregarding the health and safety of the players. That is the most important thing. But I have to say as fans and, and as players, I feel players want that. Like you want to play until you have a winner, a legit winner. I, I like it doesn't sit right with me. This two point conversion thing where like you lose a football game because you couldn't score on a two point. Conver- like it's hard to score from the two yard line. It's hard from the three yard line in college football. It's hard to score. So there's my two cents on the overtime for the NFL. I think it's a simple fix in college. Let's just go back to what it was, go back to what it was. But instead of starting at the 25, start at the 35 or the 40. That's my two cents. I'd like to hear, uh, like to hear what other people think about that. As always, uh, feel free to follow the, podcast twitter account at tnt college foot one tweet me uh dm dm me i'm always always love to talk hear uh insight from others about what you feel you can also follow me personally at coach underscore b will um thursday night got another great interview set up um just looking to finalize that then i will release who it's going to be but let me just say, Coastal Carolina fans, you are not going to want to miss out on the interview and everyone else, but especially Coastal Carolina fans. But again, thank you guys for joining me, tuning in tonight. Uh, have a good night. God bless.